Hi friends, welcome to the Psyche Mental Wellbeing Podcast with me, your host, Hannah. On the show, I'm joined each episode by an amazing guest to have an honest conversation, share our real life experiences and tackle stigma and misconceptions around mental health along the way. We believe that everyone would benefit from focusing a little more on their mental well-being, and we're here to support you to do just that. Thanks so much for joining us. We hope you enjoy the show. Hello, friends. Welcome back. Happy Wednesday. How is your week going? I'm recording this straight after Monday, so (laughs) I don't know how my week is going, but I'm hoping that it is chilled, joyful, relaxed, and not so focused on work, 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 um, juggling everything, but a bit of time just to be present and feel the joy. And I'm getting a bit into crafting at the moment. So I've got some clothes projects that I'm uh, working on and I've been sewing or tacking uh, hexagons to make some kind of quilt or something. So (laughs) I've been doing things like that uh, just because, because, you know, I wanted to and I enjoy them and I often am am very serious and very focused and don't often allow myself time just to be or I say that I'll I'll spend time numbing or um, watching YouTube videos which can be something enjoyable but you know it's it's about that balance so that is my plan for this week and hopefully when you're listening to this I'm midway through and feeling pretty chilled but um, I hope you have a are having a good week and that you continue to have a good week. Before we jump into this episode, I just want to share a quick content warning. So our guest today, Sunil, shares a couple of case studies, one of which references someone witnessing a murder and fairly uh, detailed information about what they saw and what happened. So just to flag that up to you, if it is something that is potentially triggering for you, to um, just decide whether you're in the right place to listen to this conversation and actually it's when we're doing the top tips and he mentions about two people helping him on his program case studies so that's kind of the the place it is Um, but just to let you know uh, before we dive into today's conversation massive thank you to Rio who joined us on Monday to talk about breath work and who uh, led us through that example And today we are diving into intuition and why we need to listen to our intuition, how to listen to it, signals, uh, the impact of relationships on them, um, how our own signals are very personal to us. And Sunil, who joins us today, talks a lot about the art and science of intuition and really uh, explains some of the science and case studies, which uh, I'm a geek. I love to hear that kind of stuff. Um, But not it's not science overkill I don't think so (laughs) hopefully uh you enjoy it as well and clearly very knowledgeable um, about this topic and have a lot of research in it so um that's today's conversation let's dive in and I'll be back super quickly at the end Hi, everyone, and I'm really happy to welcome today's guest, Sunil, to the podcast. So, Sunil, welcome. And if you could introduce yourself to us and tell us a little bit about you. Absolutely. Uh, my name is uh, Sunil Godse. I'm the uh, founder and CEO of Intuitionology. Um, and uh, what I do is I basically help people strip away those relationships that hold them back from their success. Um, and we'll get into that in the podcast interview. But this is where intuition ca- plays a key role. Uh, and I took a deep dive into understanding the science of it. And so we'll talk about that as well. Um, but when you have your intuition involved, uh, it helps you get rid of those relationships in under 14 seconds. It's that quick. And when that happens, you then start to trust yourself, uh, yourself and get the people around you who really help propel your success forward. Because you gotta, you, you, ultimately, you have to trust yourself and the people around you who really want to be a foundation for you moving forward. And that's how you reach success in every part of your life. Amazing. And already so much that I want to dive into. Um, but I always like to start with a bit of a definition. So we kind of know we're, we're talking about the same thing. Yeah. Because intuition, I'm sure, means different things to different people. But when you talk about it, what do you mean 
by that time. Yeah. So, so intuition for me, and we'll get into why the definition is very specific for every single person. It's actually attached to science, but for me, I see intuition as a blend of art and science. And so my background is engineering. We'll talk about that as well. Uh, and, and so I've got sort of that engineering logic mentality in me where I need to, I need to sometimes have something really lodged in science. And so when I looked at the definition of intuition, when I started getting interested in it, uh, you know, everybody was talking, you know, not everybody, but people online were talking about it, saying it's, it's voices from God and from the cosmos and it comes through meditation. And that's great for those people who would define it that way, but it didn't resonate with me. So because of my engineering days, I look at like, for example, you look at a, a steel, for example, steel has a mass like property and it has a, a, an energy or wave like property. And I see intuition the same way it's rooted in science, but there's a sort of art part. Uh, and the art is these intuitive signals that we'll talk about um, that are very, very unique to each and every single person. So my signals are based on my experience, what I've been through, how intuition talks to me, which can be very different to you, Hannah, how it talks to you. Um, we may have some common ones, but they're going to be for different situations. Uh, you know, So that's how I define intuition. Awesome. And I'd love to know, before we dive into the science, how you got from, you know, your engineering background to what you're doing now. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and so it, 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 the interest in, in intuition really came after I wrote my first book called Fail Fast, Succeed Faster. And the premise of that book is that if you were to uh, learn from the stories of failure uh, and the hurdles of others, then as an entrepreneur, you should be able to succeed faster. And so when I used to travel around the world talking about the book, um, the one question I kept getting is, hey, Sunil, uh, what's the one thing I can do to succeed as an entrepreneur? And, and at that time, I used to roll my eyes saying, come on now. Like, I didn't come here with a cue card or a PDF sheet. Like this is a 400 page book filled with stories of interviews with 300 people, um, a failure. And so there, there really isn't one until I went back to the audio recordings. And what I did is I started to focus on, okay, let's take a look at the characteristics of those who succeeded versus who failed. And every single person that went through, who got stuck in the failure had, had two things in common. One is that every single person talked about ignoring, they, like they knew what the right decision was. They ignored their intuition. They ignored God or some form of that language that got them stuck in the failure and listening to others. And then I looked at those who actually got through those failures and were able to succeed and those are the people who said, okay, I'm going to listen to myself. I'm going to trust myself. I'm going to, or I'm going to bring other people in who I trust. And that's who are the people that were able to get over the failures and to succeed. So now I got this aha moment thing saying, really? So the difference between success and failure is really in listening to this thing called intuition that really drives your relationships. And so I started thinking, okay, let me look at, my own background and uh, I'm going to take a look at say, okay, when did intuition kind of hit me? And, and I remember uh, when I was five years old, there was these video games that I wanted, uh, I wanted my dad to buy. And he said, son, look, they're too expensive. And I, I distinctly remember this voice saying, Sunil, go door to door and raise to raise money. And it was, it was, it was that clear. And so I, I, just basically discounted what my dad said. And I listened to this voice. And I went door to door and I raised $200. $100 went to my dad and the other $100 went to charity because my school was doing it at the time. And I felt really good about that. And so, so now I, I'm, I'm learning about the characteristics of the intuition where it was so loud. Uh, I didn't listen to my dad who, you know, it's my father here. And I trusted myself to make that decision. And here's a success for me. But what happens for each and every single one of us is as we start to age and we go through life, there's so many people that affect us and not necessarily in the right ways. There are people that put us through trauma. That are, there are people that have their own opinions. They don't really care about what we want. Uh, and in, in some cases, we go, somebody says a, sent, a sentence to us and it sends us down the wrong path because they're judging us. Um, and in other times, we judge ourselves. Uh, and we start living through the uh, because we want to spite other people or we want to show show up people. And when those kind of things happen, what I found is in my life, I started to ignore those intuitive signals. They were there, but I ignored them. And I allowed other people 
to infiltrate my intuitive signals, if you will. Uh, and so if I look at the failures that I had, um, there were three that came up right away. And so, for example, my, my uh, getting into engineering, like as a South Asian male, you really kind of have four doors. It's doctor, lawyer, engineer, or failure. Those are the only four choices you have. Um, and I picked door number three, which was my engineering. Uh, and I hated it. And I did it because my dad told me. My dad was an engineer. That was his upbringing. That was what he wanted. He didn't ever ask me what I wanted. I wanted to go into entrepreneurship. That was sort of what I was naturally inclined to do. Um, even at five, you know, raising 200 bucks. But um, sure enough, that's, that's, uh, I followed my dad's advice and I hated it. And two years into my engineering career, I got a chance to be a private investor with a, uh, a Mexican restaurant chain that came up to Canada. And within a year, I was making five times more in dividends than I was as a full-time engineer. And so I, at that point, my intuition was screaming at me saying, Sunil, you got to get out of this. And I made the decision to leave engineering. And I, that was it for my dad's relationship. Uh, he didn't speak to me after that. Um, but oh my God, I was so happy. Uh, and it, so pretty soon I had six other businesses back to back and I raised over $20 million in revenues through those businesses it was very clear that this was the path for me. Uh, and then at some point, a, a lot of other people started to notice what I was doing. They asked me to start consulting. And so that's when my management consulting career started taking off. Um, and I remember this one contract that was so big in Silicon Valley, like the money they were throwing at me was amazing. Um, and yet every single time I asked for, like there were some contract changes that kept coming. And my intuition saying, there's something wrong here. Uh, and so, and we needed a specific contract to get over the Canadian US v, um, border. We had to get a specific visa to, to, to go down there. And that's why there are these contracts in place. And so I phoned the HR team and their legal team and I'm, I'm, I'm talking with them. And for some reason, my intuition is just giving me red flags at what they're saying. Uh, this is something's not right in what they're saying. This, it's not making sense. But the money they were throwing at me was so big that I was so emotionally drawn to that. And I said, no, 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 can't be. I'm going to go. And I spent every single penny going down there. And the company never paid me. And I came back to Canada with like basically 23 cents in my bank account. I was dead broke. Uh, and I remember coming over the Canadian, uh, the US-Canada border driving back and I was about to be married in a couple of years. And thankfully my wife was over in India and she phones saying, Oh, how, how's it going, honey? And I said, Oh, you know what? Just, just getting back to Canada, you know, settling down in Calgary and uh, finding my next opportunity. And here I I'm, I'm while I'm speaking, I'm wondering where I'm going to be sleeping that night. Um, and perhaps the most devastating uh, thing that happened to me was when I was in engineering, I was doing some personal coaching at the time. Uh, and there was this friend that was being stalked. And she was reaching out to me to try and get some advice. And so my intuition was screaming at me to meet with her that afternoon. But there were these other friends that were saying, come on, let's go for a beer. It's just, you know, you can do that later. And I allowed these guys to basically shut down my intuition, my intuitive signals and said, yeah, you know, do you mind if we meet a couple of days later? Um, and that, uh, and you know, that's what happened. And then the next, the very next day, that stalker walked right up to her at a bus shelter and put a bullet through her head. And now I really needed to deep, take a deep dive into intuition because now I've just realized that the relationships that I had, that who I'd listened to, were the ones that also had me not only result in a career failure and, and being bankrupt, but now I've lost a really good friend. And so this got me into taking a real deep dive into understanding intuition. And so we talked about that definition earlier and I said, I couldn't find one. And so I said, okay, if I, if I look at this as an art and science, who in my circle of friends can give me some, a scientific explanation. And so I reached out to a neurologist who I knew uh, and I, I honestly didn't know what he was going to say. And so, uh, you know, I bring in the camera, I turn on the camera and I say, okay, Dr. Rathbone, does intuition exist? Uh, and he goes, it absolutely exists. And he's saying, he's explaining that there's so many neurons in your gut area. That's why we have that typical gut reaction. And he was saying that he uses it for his patients and more and more neuroscience research is coming out that's showing that intuition acts much earlier than we're consciously aware of. And so I'm so excited. It's like, oh my God, there's actual research. And so I said, okay, I'm going to go find this research because I got to dive into it. And I go to this academic database and I start typing the, the word intuition. And I'm expecting, you know, 12, maybe 20 articles that I can easily go through. 
53,000 articles from 1990 to at that time, 2016, 53,000 articles in intuition. And when I looked at intuition and relationships, close to two thirds of those articles had to deal with intuition and relationships, which now tied together this, the importance of relationships and intuition. And so I'm, I'm like, oh my God, this is amazing. So let's take it back down to a definition and the science behind why there's no real definition. One of the things I found out was that when the intuition hits your brain, when you're using your intuition, it hits the amygdala, which is the primitive part of your brain. It's the fight or flight area. And so there's no capacity for language there. So when we talk about intuition as a voice of God, or if it just feels right, or, you know, it's coming from the cosmos, or it's experience or knowledge, that's however you define it is fine because that definition has to come from you. So intuition hits us. It's a feeling because that's where your emotions are. And we all describe that feeling individually. Uh, and so that's why this intuition is so uh, individual and is so unique to each one of us. And the other thing I discovered is that um, your intuition, when, when Dr. Rathbone was saying that it, it consciously hits you much earlier, um, I found research that showed that intuition uh, hits you on average seven to 10 seconds before you actually make a decision. Uh, and research that's supposedly coming out of University of Toronto has tracked that to as early as 23 seconds. So really, really early. And then I started thinking, okay, if I was five years old, and if your brain is developing, and it's based on you, like, we must have intuition when we're born. And lo and behold, I find this research article that shows that infants as young as two months old were shown to have intuitive uh, capabilities, or as this paper calls it, intuitive physics. So now I'm armed with this incredible knowledge uh, of, of intuition. I'm saying, okay, I now kind of understand it. And so there, I've got the science part. And then the art part is these unique signals uh, that that uh, come. And so I have unique signals. And so what I did is I said, okay, let me go out into the world and talk to so many people to figure out how intuition uh, impacts them and how it really operates for them. Uh, and sure enough, after a thousand people, everybody had weird signals. So not weird, weird in the in a, in a bad sense, but weird in that in that unique sense. And so. The other thing with signals is that it's characteristic. There's positive and negative signals. And so the positive signals are the ones that tell you to move ahead with a decision. And so for me, it's like the dots connecting or feeling a sense of flow. Uh, and in one interviewee I had, this guy was a, um, he's run two multi-million dollar businesses now with uh, this positive signal that's an omen. There's this this omen that shows up on his, behind his right shoulder. He can't, he can't see it, like there's no shape or color. He just knows that there's this presence of this omen. And when he feels that, whatever he's doing from a business perspective or from a personal perspective, he says yes to. And as I said, two multi-million dollar uh, companies later, he still uses that to his advantage. Um, and then the, the flip side of that is your negative signals. And what's really important to know about your negative signals is that they actually start very subtle in nature. So they're like whispers. So if you listen to Oprah, she calls it a whisper. But we've all been in that situation where we walk into a room uh, and we go, huh something's off. Like we may not say that, but we feel that, or, you know, you meet someone for the very, very first time and you instantly know this person, there's something wrong. You can't trust that person. That's that first intuitive signal that the negative signal saying, mm, you know, it's a small little itch uh, or rub or whatever it is that, that you experience. And as you start to ignore those, they get louder and louder. And so, uh, and, and until you can't, uh, you can't ignore them anymore. And so, the, the thing that we have to do is that we have to spend the time to figure out what these unique signals are for each one of us. And this is where a lot of people fall down is because they make that assumption that that gut feeling that that commonly people talk about or that voice that every and I just talked about that voice. We all assume that that's that's uh, uh, intuition. But if you make that 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 wrong assumption, maybe that gut feeling is signal number three. And what your signal number one is, is actually a voice coming, a small voice coming in. And so if you make the wrong assumption that that gut feeling is signal number three, and the next time you make a decision, you're waiting for that gut and it comes up, you've missed two signals because you're waiting for the gut. You're, you, you've missed the voice and you, maybe you've missed the hairs in the back of your neck uh, standing up, which is supposed to be signal number two. So if you've made, if you missed two bad signals, you made two bad decisions. And so that those bad decisions could be that you've just stubbed your toe or 
you could be headed towards bankruptcy. You don't know. And so the uniqueness of these negative signals is something that you really have to pay attention to. And I remember talking to one entrepreneur and uh, he said, look, Sunil, like nobody's ever asked me about in negative intuitive signals and, and it makes sense. You know, I, I'm, it's not like, hey, Hannah, let's go for a coffee. What are your negative intuitive signals? I mean, that's kind of bizarre. I say like, this guy's weird. Uh, and so, but this, this, uh, so this um, entrepreneur kept talking to me and we kept talking about his failures. And as he kept talking about the failures that he got into of the, of the ventures that he went in for the wrong reasons, like money or fame, a lot of extrinsic stuff, he starts grabbing his left earlobe. And about five minutes in, he says, oh, my God, Sunil, I just realized what my negative intuitive signal is, is that when I get into situations that my intuition is telling me I shouldn't get into, my left earlobe starts pulsating with heat. It's doing it now. As I'm talking to you, it was doing it. I remember so clearly now that when I talked to my wife about these ventures, it was pulsating with heat. And I absolutely remember when I was going into business with some partners, I kept grabbing my left earlobe. And so that's how unique these things are. And so now I'm armed with this information. I've got the science. I've got the art down. I said, okay, now let's see uh, what, how, uh, how others, um, I can talk to others about it. And is there anybody that does not believe in intuition? And of course, there's one of my friends um, and one of my first interviewees, uh, John Rothschild. And um, I said, he said, you know, look, look you know, intuition doesn't exist. So this guy's an investment banker. So where data and spreadsheets rule his life. And so he was also under the assumption that intuition is just based on like the cosmos and, and, you know, a meditation. And he says, yeah, that that's not what life is all about. Sunil. I mean, you got to make decisions. You can't think about voices from God and, and make decisions for him. It just, that wasn't his definition. So he said, come on down, I'll give you an hour. And, um, I said, oh my God, what am I going to talk to him about? Like, this is going to be a difficult conversation. And so I, I get in the room, I turn on the camera and, uh, you know, I tried to convince him. I said, look, uh, you know, John, there's this multi-million dollar CEO that sees omens. He's run two big businesses. You're a CEO, you're a chairman and CEO of a company. And he goes, yeah, Sunil, you know what? If I, I, I'd love to shake this guy's hand, omens and stuff like that. Look, Sunil, okay. Intuition is based on experience and knowledge and learning. Okay, that's how you make decisions. And so one of the things that I also found out was that intuition is actually made up of four different types. And the best way to show all how all these four ty different types work together is through this experience with John. And so as, as I started telling to John, okay, John, one of the four types of intuition is actually based on your, your knowledge and experience. And if you think about it, as I said earlier, you're born with intuition. And so if you look at your brain like an iceberg, 90% is subconscious, which is a low water. The 10% is above water, which is the conscious part. And so as when you're born, we have five to 6,000 experiences a day. When you're older, 28 to 35,000 experiences a day. And those experiences get put into the subconscious area of your brain like a library. Uh, all of these experiences, so you got billions and billions of these data points that intuition can pull from. So when you're making a decision today, uh, it's going to reach into the library of information to say, okay, when has Hannah gone and made a similar type of decision where these skills are required? Let me go back into my library and inform myself so that when I give her a signal, it's incredibly packed with information. And so when it gives you a positive signal, it said, okay, Hannah, you made this decision before. So absolutely you can make this decision. Or it gives you a negative signal saying, Hannah, you've been down this road before somehow, somewhere in a similar way, and it didn't work out for you. And so I'm going to start giving you your first subtle intuitive signal. So that's how these signals work. And so what I was telling John is in some cases, your, your data, your intuition has you go against the data. And he goes, wow, Sunil, that's really funny you mentioned that because I have an exact example of that. And I said, okay, well, please tell me that. And so he said he was in the business of putting franchise operations in. So like, you know, things like McDonald's and Wendy's, Wimpy's, uh, you know, Nando's, things like that. And so uh, if they're going to put a franchise location, they would bench use a benchmarking system out of 10. And so nine out of 10 means that they put a franchise and they look at like things like demographics in that area, traffic patterns, uh, and um, just things like that, that support that business. There was this really crappy area in Toronto. Um, and he was looking to put a location there and it was, came up as a five and a half out of 10. There was absolutely no way 
um, that uh, he would have put one in. And so now we've gone through experiential intuition, which was one of our four. Well, now we're going to get to the second of the four called situational intuition. So John and his partner go to this, this, this area of Toronto and he's just looking around and he just gets this feeling. He remembers, he gets this feeling that we've got to put a location here. I just, I sense that the location has got to go here. And now John is saying, perhaps it's my intuition. I'm not sure. But I just got this feeling that we put, should put something here. And so he goes against the team's advice to listen to himself. And he puts a location there. That was something called the beer market. And that happened to be the most profitable franchise location and franchise operation out of all the brands that he had going against the data. And so now John's getting it. And then something changes with John. John was saying that he no longer wanted to be basically a, 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 an investment banker. He actually wanted to run a company. And so his purpose changed. And so now we're getting into the third of the four called relational intuition. What relational intuition is really important in doing is to help filter those people through that really care for what you want and leave behind the relationships that really don't care about you. They don't, they're not interested in what you're doing. And so in John's case, when John wanted to made the announcement that he wanted to actually run a business, this, this guy was making three to $4 million a year as an investment banker. And now he wants to go start up from something from ground zero. All the people who are concerned about money, fame, ego, high-end restaurants, limousines, private jets, all of them said, John, you're nuts. There's only one person that actually cared about asking him why, and that was his wife. And so his wife says, John, why do you want to do that? And he just says, this is now coming from him. He says, you can have all the data in the world, but sometimes you just have to listen to your intuition. And I was shocked. I couldn't believe this. This was coming out of this guy's mouth where 45 minutes earlier, this guy was saying, this thing doesn't exist. And he looks at his wife and says, this just feels right. There was the intuitive signal that, he, that, uh, that I'm talking about. Um, and so relational intuition just really got him to listen to himself and his wife. And the fourth of the four is called creative intuition. And creative intuition is the one that has you make the actual decision. And so like, if you're doing things like eating a sandwich or, you know, turning left to the lights, your creative intuition is pretty low. It's not very creative, but in John's case, you would think this is a highly successful uh, entrepreneur, well, the investment banker. And so you would think that his creative intuition would select uh, a, a company that has strong cash flows, really good balance sheet and healthy revenues, not his intuition. His intuition says, here's a tiny bankrupt little restaurant, sir. Why don't you start that? And so he says, okay. And he rolls up his sleeves, quits his three to $4 million a job to basically salvage this, this bankrupt restaurant. That's not just zero. It's less than zero that bankrupt tiny tiny little bankrupt restaurant ended up being Eastside Mario's location number one. And he grew that to over $2 billion in 20 years under and over a thousand locations, all because it felt right. And that's the power of intuition. And so now we're, we've got this education about, okay, I, I've got the science and I've got these signals that are always right. So the next question is, why do we ignore it? And there's, there's four types of relationships that really affect us. And I was talking about that a little bit earlier. When you have people that put you through trauma or make a statement and, make, and judge you for who you're not, uh, or, or you listen to people that really don't care about what you want, um, or, or you're just trying to prove to the world who you are, you start living through the values of other people. And when you live through the values of other people and you don't live through your own values, you're ignoring your intuition because your intuition, your intuitive signal is saying, hey, this is what you care about. I'm giving you a signal on what you should be doing. I don't care about all these other people. Why should you? And way too many of us are caring about what other people think, what other people say, what society wants, that we aren't doing what we are meant to do. And so when we talk about living in the present moment, 
you have to do that. You have to trust your signals in the present moment and strip away what happened in the past. I'm not saying not ignore it. I mean, a lot of my clients, we have to deal with that, but we deal with the emotions in the past uh, and we recognize what happens. And what hap what I do is I take the emotional block out and to recognize that those were learning lessons for us. Those are learning lessons for your intuition. They happened, all the failures you've been through, intuition uses them as experiences uh, to make sure you don't do it again. And so once we start to realize that we can actually live our own lives the way we want, uh, as conceptually exciting as that is, it is really fearful because 99.9% .9 of people have never done what they want to do. And, and so what happens is fear starts coming in. And so what I say is fear is your best friend. And the reason is because remember when I was talking about the science, your intuition hits you at the amygdala. What that means is there's only two types of fears it knows. Either you're going to be eaten by a saber-toothed tiger and you're dead, or it's going to help you move your life ahead. And so the fear that I'm talking about, when you're looking at starting to live life on your own terms, this is the good kind of fear. This is just saying, listen, you've never done anything for yourself. Naturally, you're fearful, but I'm going to help you because I have these signals that are going to tell you what the right decision is and what the wrong decision is. And these are your signals. This is what you've been through in life. So these are signals that are, that are so in tune to what you want and where your success is headed. So that's why you should trust them. And the problem is, there's a couple of things. One is um, because of that fear, sometimes we make that decision to live life and we fall back to our old ways and old habits. And a really good case study I have is with Vin Jang. In 2016, this guy was a, he's an international keynote speaker. At that time, he was an international magician. And in 2016, he was uh, speaking to 100,000 people on 80 stages over, uh, on the, over the year. And by all accounts, this guy's, like this was the life that everybody would seem to want, except himself. His intuition was saying, okay, you look good from the outside, but inside you are really crappy and you better fix this fast. And he finally realizes it. And he goes to New Zealand and uh, he, he shuts off. He, like he tells his wife, I got to fix this. Uh, no cell phone service, nothing takes a bunch of books and, and crayons and markers. And then he starts this exercise where he puts the values of what he thinks uh, are his values in life. And he looks at them and he says, they were staring back at me. It was, they were hunting because he says, this is what my wife wants. This is what my manager wants. This is what my customers want. This is what my audience wants. Where's Vin? Where am I? And he takes down those values and he puts his own. This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want. This is what I want in all the different areas of his life. And he said what he thought was cathartic, what he thought was going to be freeing, he says was frightening because for the first time in his life, he was going to live life for himself. He's never done it ever. And so he, go, he comes back from New Zealand, you know, just re-energized and he falls back into the same old habits, the same old extrinsic motivation, the same old cliche, the same old group, uh, the brand names, the downtown LA living and talking it up and ego, extrinsic motivation. And six months later, his parents come up from Australia and, um, and he's got a Vietnamese background and his mom pulls him aside. And he says, there's a saying in, Viet uh, in Vietnamese that when you hang around squid, you're, 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 you're going to get some ink on you. And his mother says, you're hanging around a lot of squid, my friend. This is not my boy. And his intuition was screaming loud. And so six months later, he said, oh, man. What the hell am I doing? And so he sells his Mercedes. He gets the, the minivan, moves out to the suburbs, just strips away all his friends that were, were caustic to his life. And for the first time in his life, he was truly happy, truly internally happy. And there's something that I call opportunity cost. And this is something that I was talking to Vin about in my podcast interview with him. And opportunity cost is actually double the cost that you think it is when you make the wrong decision. And in Vin's case, I told Vin, it's not just the six months that you lost not making the right decisions, trusting your intuition. It's also the six months that you lost 
that you could have made the right decisions? And what did you gain? And so I said, you've actually lost a year of your life. And if you're in the business of helping people, and in his case, it was 100,000 people a year. I just simply asked him, how many people did you leave behind? How many people did you not help? And he said, Sunil, I've never, ever thought about it like that. And so when you're confronted by fear, and I'll finish off with this case study, when you're confronted with fear, remember, there's, there's always, there's just two signals. It's either positive or negative. And so one of the guys I interviewed was name of, a guy by the name of David Dame. He has a cerebral palsy and he's been in a wheelchair all his life. And he used to go on vacations and look at the beach from afar in his wheelchair. And he used to always think, what if, what if I can just dip my toe in the water? What if I can just feel the sand in my toes? I've been sitting in this wheelchair all my life. And so on one particular um, occasion, he said, I'm going to do it. I'm going to trust my intuition. I'm going to do it. And he gets his friends and, uh, to wheel him onto the beach, into the sand, into the sand water barrier. And he stands up and he, the sand is caressing his toes and the water comes in and he falls flat on his face. And then the embarrassment comes in and then the fear comes in, the fear of failure. And he said, what are people going to think? Uh, I can't do this again. And all these questions are filling his head. And then he says, Sunil, there's two things I can do at this point. I can succumb to my fear and I can sit back in that wheelchair and forever regret not turning my dream of walking into the ocean into a reality. I am right here. Or I can listen to my intuitive signals that are telling me, Dave, take a step. Dave, you can do it. And then take another step, Dave. And then take another step, Dave. And so he makes that decision to say, I've got these intuitive signals that are saying, take the steps and I'm going to do it. And he starts walking one foot in front of the other into the ocean. And then he points to his chin and he says, the ocean gets up to my chin. And then I turn around and I hadn't realized how far I had come. And so when you actually talk about living in the present moment, you don't worry about looking back and measuring the distance and how far and who's looking and all that stuff. You just take the step, you listen to the signal and you take another step in your life and you take another step in your life. And when you do take a pause and you're sitting on top of that mountain, you're looking saying, wow, I am so glad I listened to my intuition because look at the success around me. And that's how you live your life, trusting your intuition and your intuitive signals. Amazing. Thank you. I mean, you've shared so much powerful stuff from your, your own journey, from the science and, and the case studies you've shared with us. So yeah, thank you so much. No and I problem. was thinking, um, as you were talking, the times when I am really present and living in the moment and I'm just not thinking about what's <laughs> coming through my head and I just do just do stuff, it leads to the the best outcomes. And I guess they're the times when I am actually following my intuition I'm not worrying about Ooh, what will people think or what if it goes wrong I'm just letting it flow really absolutely absolutely and and that's it when and when you say letting it flow again those are those signals that you talk about right so and so for you it'd be you know what is that flow what does that mean what does flow look like what does that flow feel like are there different states of flow what's the initial flow uh, or does it feel like flow and I'm characterizing it differently and so this is where the homework needs to be done where you actually have to take a look at and, and your listeners can do this right now or right after this podcast interview is you go back uh, because don't forget the big the big one is experiential intuition right so you go back to all the time times you've had in the past, you list the good decisions you've made and what did it feel like? And so for you, it could be flow, but define that. Get as close to the definition as you can. Um, because for me, it could be like, for example, one of them for me is if the negative signals, I lose my peripheral vision. And so I, I just get this hyper-focused, everything beside me is gone. And I know, and, and my eyebrows start to cross as well. And so when I get into that state, meet, it's instant. I know something's wrong. Something in front of me is wrong. It's either a person, a place, a thing, a situation, whatever it is, I'm ex or I'm hearing something, something is wrong. And that's how instant it is for me and for everybody. Um, and when it comes to going to your negative or the bad decisions you made, this is where everybody has to be very careful. Because as I talked earlier, 
let's say you got that gut feeling and it resulted in a bad event or failure. Was that gut feeling signal number three, four, or one? And so let's say you got into a failure and you had an intuitive signal, which you've written down. Was there a signal before that? Was there an incident before that? So what is the chain of events that led to that failure? And each link in that chain is an intuitive signal. And once you've got uh, your inventory of positive signals, and then you have your inventory of negative signals, you're done. You've got your basket of signals. So every decision that you make, good or bad, every failure you've had, every win you've had in your life is going to be associated with an intuitive signal. And so every decision you make in the future will have an intuitive signal. And if you've done your homework right with your inventory of signals, then a signal is going to come up. And if you make a bad decision, it just means that you haven't done your homework. You've missed a signal. And I'll give you a very good example. One of the fellows I interviewed was this fellow by the name of Mark Metry. Uh, Mark Metry, he used to have the Humans 2.0 uh, podcast. It was top 100 on Apple. He's now changed it. And so one of the common misconceptions is sometimes intuition has you go down the wrong road. And that's not true. And so he's, he, so this Mark was in a situation in high school. This guy was making five figures in high school, but his yearning to fit in took over who he really was. And so he started to lie again and again and again in high school to the point where he wanted to take his own life. And so he was telling me that story. And the first thing he says is that, you know, Sunil, yeah, intuition sometimes it puts you through negative situations. And when that happens, my, my ears perk up because I, I asked them to tell the story. And he tells that story of how he, he just, he wanted to constantly lie and lie and lie. Uh, and as he's telling the story, I said, but Mark, if we replay the story, when you started telling me, uh, and I, and of course my team replayed the story to hear him, what he said exactly. And so what he said is that, yeah, I mean, um, I was very successful. I made six figures. Uh, and in high school, it, it, just before he was going to say that I was about to lie, he says, I shouldn't have lied. But the moment that he said, I shouldn't have lied, but that was his intuition sneaking in, even while he's telling the story saying, uh, 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 I'm telling you not to lie, but he ignored his intuitive signals to continue to lie. It almost led him to him taking his own life. So your intuition is always there. And so bringing them back to the example or the exercise that I have you do, even though you've gone through your failures and if you make a bad decision, you've just missed a signal. And there's nothing wrong with that. All you need to do is, okay, why did I make that bad decision? Here's a signal I didn't pay attention to. Add it to your inventory. And now you've got these inventory of signals that you can live your life through. And when that happens... Every decision you make is going to be the right one because your intuition is going to push you to make the right decisions and it's going to help you avoid the wrong ones. And like I say, 99.9% of people won't do that. I mean, I've got a free seven-day challenge on my, on my intuitionology.com website and I've had over 55,000 people through that. Um, and, and there's those statistics that show that of the people that go through that, the majority of people will go back to their old habits. And, uh, and again, I've got people telling me that, you know, they've gone through that, they've gone through my coaching and sure enough, they get into a scam. The intuition is saying, I'm sorry, you know, I intuition saying, avoid this person, avoid this person. Uh, you know, this, uh, my one coaching client, uh, knew he shouldn't have gotten into it. His signals were screaming at him. He gets into it and he loses $2,000 and he knew, he knew we all know we're just too afraid to go through life, trusting ourselves. And who cares what other people say? Who cares? This is your life. This is you. What does it matter? What do other people say? Is it their lives? Are they paying your bills? Are they the ones walking your path? Nope. There are a lot of armchair people sitting back saying, no, that's not right. No, you can't run that business. No, I don't like the business, uh, the direction you're going into. What does that matter? It's not your life. It's your experiences. It's where you want to do what's what keeps you happy. Why do you have to filter it through them? If, they're, if they don't really care about your uh, being a foundation of support for you. And if everybody can take stock of the people that really care. I mean, I don't know how many, I've speak, spoken to a couple of hundred thousand people on stages. I've met tens of thousands of people. I'm sure as you have, I've got two people, two that I can count on that are my closest that can, will do anything for me, two. Mm -hmm. And it's a quality over quantity game. That's all I need because I'm trusting myself. I know where I'm headed. I know what my, my what success is for me. 
because it's for me. And those that want to come on, and this is saying, I always say that I'm, this is my train and this is how fast it's going. And this is the track it's on. If you don't like it, you can get off at the next stop. Uh, and if you continue to bother me, I'll throw you off my train myself. Uh, and in some cases, you just have to be that, that strong because it's all about you. And it has nothing to do with ego. It has nothing to do with ego. Ego is something that when you're talking out of your butt and you have no experience, that's ego. That's narcissism. But when you know what you want because of your experiences and you're listening to intuition, that's pure success. And then what you'll find is so many others will start looking to you and saying, wow, I want to be like that person because they've got it going on. And that's how you live life, in my opinion. Amazing. And that feels like a perfect place to uh, to stop and to move into my set questions. Yeah, everyone, absolutely. Thank yeah, thank you so much. Um, you know, really powerful. And I always love hearing about science uh, for stuff, but also practical stuff. So definitely uh, for everyone listening, have a go at that, that homework um, and, and see what you come up with. Um, so thank you for everything yeah, you shared. No problem. Yeah. And I'd love to hear your thoughts on my set questions. I ask everyone. Yep. First one is what brings you joy in your life? Um, t- teaching my kids about intuition um, because they're young, nine and 14. Uh, and if they are able to have this that I, I had, but nobody taught me this, uh, I, I just can't imagine the success that I'd have right now. And if you look at the paint, for those who have not seen the video, I've got paintings behind me. That's my daughter's. She's uh, 14. Uh, so this is what happens when we put intuition in the, in the hands of a young child. She's actually running an official Canadian nonprofit business. She's raised over $30,000 by these with these paintings to help those with disabilities and illnesses. Just yesterday, she had her first post-COVID uh, original sale uh, of a painting. Um, so that's what I want to give my kids because she's living her dream, her life. My younger daughter is also making good, confident decisions by by herself, what she wants to do. That's what brings joy to me. Because the success, they're going to fail. And I always say that you're going to fail. You're going to go, things are going to happen. That's part of life. But you learn from those failures. Your intuition learns from those failures. But you can just, the success trajectory for those two are going to be amazing. Thanks to, you know, me and my wife and what we're trying to help them do. Yeah. Well, and that sounds amazing um, how you're kind of preparing them for, for life. Um, and then my next question, sometimes similar, sometimes not, is what makes life meaningful for you? Helping one person at a time, helping as many people as I can through the education I'm doing one person at a time. Uh, and uh, I'm, I'm doing this through my social media content, through my courses, through the seven day challenge that I've got uh, and the feedback I continue to get of how this has uh, changed people's lives uh, is, is immeasurable, immeasurable. I've got people who've been afraid to go out in public because they've been a witness to a murder um, going through uh, the stuff that I have and to finally, you know, be able to go to the gym and walk and jog um, to people finding the right careers to, uh, you know, just being happy to finally strip away bad relationships. I mean, this, the, the testimonials that I keep getting to improve people's lives helps me feel so cathartically happy inside. And that's, that, that brings me pure internal joy. Amazing. Uh, so my next two questions are about our overarching topic on the podcast, which is mental wellness, mental mm-hmm. well-being. So the first one is what does mental wellness mean to you? Mental wellness means to, what that means to me is just doing what I am meant to do uh, and doing things for me. Um, and especially when it comes to that, that the mental part is really surrounding myself with those people who are really good support mechanisms that really trust me um, and help me move in the direction that I want. And when that happens, I'm mentally, uh, I'm mentally free. I'm mentally, fo- mentally forward because I'm doing things meant for me. And that really helped and every single day is a beautiful day. And then you might have already answered the follow-up, but I'll ask anyway in case you want to add anything, yeah. which is for yourself, how you look after your mental well-being. Uh, yeah, so a lot of it is, again, uh, education, uh, talking to my kids, being with them. Um, uh, and so it's, that's more the sort of the, the tactical part. Um, the, the, the first part of the question is sort of more the, the uh, overarching strategy, I like guess, mental strategy. Uh, and this one's more of a mental tactical. But so what do I do every single day to do that with my kids, with the people I'm helping, with the content that I put out? with the thoughts that I have um, and that stuff is every single day. That's what I think about. Uh, and I move myself in that direction that's meant for me every single day. And so that's one, the one thing I tell my kids is I can die tomorrow 
and I'll have a smile on my face. Um, and way too many of us start regretting when we're 60, 80, uh, and we look back and regret, uh, you know, why regret today? Like, what are you doing today that you regret not doing? And you can do it. So do it. Like, don't, don't wait till 60 and 80 to regret all that time wasted. And so that's what I do every single day. I do, I do things so I'll never have regrets. And that's what I tell my kids. Oh, again, amazing message to give them at you know at their ages, so that they're, you know, as they as they become adults, they can make those choices and really make the most out of their lives. Absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so my next question is sometimes a little bit of a challenge for people. How would you describe your own mindset? Uh, so my mindset is really tied to um, helping others, and so what it's really coming down to what's my purpose. Uh, and when you have your purpose, uh, when you have your purpose really well defined, your values align and you align your values with your purpose, then every decision you make is just going to help you reach whatever goal that you're trying to do. And so in terms of my, managing my mindset, it's just making sure that I am on point with my purpose. I'm doing things that support my purpose, uh, both in the strategy and the tactics. And that sounds very businessy. But what I do in life, the decisions I make, who I associate with, uh, the, in, the advice that I give, um, the, the things that I read, um, all have to do with filling my purpose. And it's natural. Uh, it, there's no, it's not forced. I want to do it. Uh, I'm urged to, to do it by my intuition. And so it becomes a natural flow every single day. And so every single day, I manage my mental well-being by doing those things that are in alignment, in alignment with my purpose. Brilliant. Thank you for that. This one is my favorite question to ask because I'm really curious to hear people's thoughts. Uh, so we like to leave the listeners with one to three top tips of things that they can try out. And I know we've already uh, given lots of suggestions, but do you have a top one to three things that you'd recommend that people try in their lives? Yeah, so, so very, very first thing is get your inventory of signals. Uh, that's very, very important because that is the basis for every decision that you make. Uh, and you need to spend the time to do that. The second thing is to really strip away the people that are going to take you away from listening to those signals and take a hard look at uh, who you have around you. And these are going to be very emotional decisions. And in some cases, it could be just moving slightly away from them. You know, even at work, you may not, I mean, you're at work all the time. You can't really get rid of them in your life. Sometimes there's family members that you can't really get rid of, but yeah, there's ways that you can distance them. Or there's others that you just simply have to cut off and you just don't have the courage um, to do that. And you have to, because these are the ones that are getting you to ignore the first part, which is getting your inventory of signals. And the third is taking action. This is the one thing that, consistently people fail at is taking action because of that fear. And those three things are going to really, really pummel you. And again, that, that there's that seven day challenge I have that's free, by the way, on my intuitionology.com website. And this gives you a seven step process on to take one problem that you have. You take one problem and you go through the steps that uh, is going to help you get those inventory of signals, filter your relationships through, and then take action. And so, and again, I've had 55,000 people through them, that seven-day challenge. And with that, I've got two people that actually help you through that challenge. Um, one is a fellow who actually sold his house in that seven-day challenge. Um, he started off with some real estate person coming in and throwing a business card at him. Um, and he was saying that before this challenge, I would have said yes, because she was saying you, you can only get $30,000, you know, uh, $20,000 under asking price. Um, you know, that's the market. I know it. You know, uh, if you don't sign with me, you're not going to get anything. And before he was saying I was, I was such a pushover, I'd sign there because I got so scared. But because of the challenge, he says, no, 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 something's wrong with her. And he ended up waiting. He ended up listening to the right people in that challenge. And in the seven days, he ended up selling his house for $50,000 over asking price. So that's a $70,000 decision. It's $10,000 a day. The other person that go went through this um, was someone who was actually not, not only just a witness to a murder, but she actually walked into her boyfriend's apartment after he had killed their best friend in the bathtub. Uh, he shuts the door behind her, locks all of the, you know, locks of the two, three locks, puts a knife to her back, and says, um, I'm already going away for one murder, might as well make it two. So she basically, her intuition basically says, okay, I'm going to remain calm, I'm going to watch him, and I'm going to just make sure I manage him. Uh, she gets assaulted, she gets choked, she's asked to clean up the blood, 
Um, all the while our intuition is just waiting, waiting, waiting for that one moment to leave. And uh, it finds it. And her intuition basically says, now. And she runs, op- unlocks the door, opens it, runs 18 flights uh, of stairs down. Apparently, he came looking for her later. Uh, and he, uh, he missed her by seconds, thankfully. Um, and she called 911. Uh, and so she lived in fear. Like she couldn't, she had like seven locks on her doors. Uh, She couldn't leave without being scared of somebody coming to kill her. Um, And so when she got through the seven day challenge, um, what she did is she can finally say, oh, wow, I can go to the gym. I knew who, I know who to trust now. I can finally live life. And so after the seven days, she's actually able to live life. And so in that seven days, not only do I get those two people going through each of the seven days with you, with the decisions they made with their problem, but I also measure your intuition and 100% of the time intuition has gotten stronger through that challenge, through the, this, the questions I have. So if you need a process um, here's the process that I have you and it's free. It's, it's off the intuitionology.com website. Perfect. And I know I've uh, got a friend that I'll definitely be sending the link to, because I know that's something she's been thinking about, about tapping into listening to her intuition. So thank you for that. Uh, so super quickly, um, this is a, a newer question I've started throwing in because I love to read and, and to know what people have found really impactful. So do you have a book recommendation for us or something that's been really impactful in your life that you think we should check out? Yeah, so, so I'll give you two. Uh, one's a little bit more heavier. One's called Power Versus Force. Uh, and uh, so that one's a little bit on frequencies. And it was written in the, in the, uh, in the um, 70s. And it's a really kind of about mindset and the power of it. If you get into frequencies and intuition and all that kind of stuff, it's, it's kind of, it's a little bit rooted into that. So it's a bit heavy when it comes to reading. Uh, but a, a little bit more on the lighter one is uh, there's always Simon Sinek's Why. Um, and, uh, you know, getting down to purpose. Um, and what I would say is once you find your purpose, you really got to define it, but it's really acting on that and trusting your intuition. So it's kind of, uh, here's, here's him getting you to really take a deep dive of understanding why and take the time to do it. Uh, so many of us kind of think about it and they really don't sit and think about it. And then again, once you figure out what that purpose is, you've got the signals to act on that purpose to live your why. Uh, and that's, in my opinion, what life should be all about. It's so funny because my first ever podcast episode, someone had recommended that book to me. And the first episode is called It Starts With Why. I was like, well, let's start with what, what the show is all about. Oh, interesting. For our, yeah, for our 100th episode, I listened back to it and I, <laughs> my delivery was not as polished. <laughs> I was like, oh, uncomfortable to listen to. But actually, the, the why was still very much true with you know, so um, yeah, definitely. I recommend that book as well. Um, and so Sunil, thank you so much. That brings us to my last question, which is where people can connect with you. I know you've mentioned your website and you mentioned your book. If you could give us the details of those and just where we can find you. Yeah, absolutely. So I've got a couple of websites. One is intuitionology.com and you'll find the seven day challenge there. Uh, and you sh- there's also a link to my podcast series there called the intuitive wake up call moment. We just released uh, one uh, yesterday. She was someone who is a victim of human trafficking for three years and how her intuition is able to get her out of that. Um, and so you can find all that. Um, I'm on all the socials, um, uh, even on TikTok. And then my other um, website, sunilgodsey.com, you can find a link to my books there as well. That's about intuitive branding. And this is where you earn the trust of others through intuition, which takes under 14 seconds. Um, and that's how you crush the competition because when you operate a business, um, based on intuition and the intuition of others believes what you're doing, then employees want to work for you. Customers want to buy from you and the marketplace loves you. And that's how you crush your competition. So sunilgodsey.com is there. I've got my YouTube channel, um, lots of videos there. So um, yeah, LinkedIn, uh, Twitter, um, TikTok, um, all the, the Instagram, Facebook. Yeah. So lots of ways to find me. Awesome. And yeah, we'll absolutely link in the show notes so people can find you nice and easily from there as well. Sunil, it's been so great to um, to speak with you today and to hear everything that you've shared with us. And um, I feel quite um, reassured, actually. <laughs> a lot of the time now I am tapping into my intuition, but also I definitely need to do a bit of homework and think about the times when I definitely don't listen to it. So I personally really appreciate everything you share, and I'm sure that everyone listening uh, will get a lot out of it as well. So thank you so much. Great. Thank you. I appreciate that. So massive thank you to Sunil for joining us and everything that he shared. And 
being present, listening to my own signals and trying to live that life in flow is definitely something over the last few years I've been working on, still a massive work in progress, learning to like myself and trust myself has been a, a big thing for me. So it's still ongoing. And um, I'd love to know if you have done this work yourself, if you're in tune with yourself, what your signals are. Are you listening to them? Is it something you're working on as well? Um, so yeah, I'd love to hear from you. So tag us in a story on Instagram at Psyche Coaching, P-S-Y-K-H-E Coaching. Send us a DM, let us know how you're getting on with your intuition. And um, I'd love to hear lots of people's signals because maybe they're, although they're unique to each of us, as Sunil said, I think hearing other people's, you can kind of, for yourself, kind of check in with yourself and go, is that, is that something that I experience as well? Is it not? Um, so I just think it's really interesting. So get in touch. We'd love to hear from you. Uh, thanks again to Rio and Sunil who joined us this week. And that is it. Um, we will be back on Monday with another episode. Until then, as always, take care of yourself, be kind to yourself, and I'll speak to you soon. Bye for now. Hold up. 